Hello and welcome to Laidback Lush. I'm your inconsistently loquacious co-host, Michael, an enthusiast of all things craft. And with me as always is Gabe. I am wearing my self-designed Ergo Proxy t-shirt and I am ready to go. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I also am certified in wine, by the way. Yes. To uh, <laughs> level three W set. Yes, yes. Which is I am quite accomplished. Quite accomplished. Quite the researcher and full of hot takes and very hard set opinions. Um, <laughs> Welcome back to our podcast that we made to be accessible <laughs> yeah. about, about wine, beer, and spirits laid back life. Yeah, like uh, originally when... We were trying to figure out how to do the podcast. We were thinking like I would ask questions and then Gabe would answer them, but then I had opinions as well, and so that fell apart. Yeah. Um. So this is what it is, and we hope that you enjoy it. <laughs> uh, great intro. Great intro. A, a plus. Great intro. First, a self review. <laughs> F. F. <laughs> um. But and we, how do you think you did this quarter? Uh, I think I did pretty terribly, honestly. I think I should be fired immediately. I agree. Possibly I agree. sued for damages. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're going to be letting you go and also um, seeking the fullest extent of the law for your punishment. You know, I don't even blame you. I will be hiring a lawyer because I am full of bad financial decisions. Mm, wise. Wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Thought you'd like it. Uh, anyways, today we are going to be talking about some other poor decisions and happenstances that were occurring in the world some could say a cascade of unfortunate events. Yeah, unfortunate events and poor choices. In the 19th century, a plague slowly strangled the wine industry throughout the world. I have teeth in front of my tongue. <laughs> Nearly destroying whole regions of the wine world where varieties developed through centuries and their associated vineyards were almost erased forever. Even identifying the source of this happening was a source of great pain and doubt. But today we'll be telling the story of the struggle, ingenuity, elite resistance to science, and eventual balance that came through an understanding of nature. Yes. Over uh, a little thing called... Biloxera. Yes. This is one of the most interesting occurrences in the wine world that I have come across. Interesting is a word. Yeah, I mean, this is, like we said, an outcrop of biological happenstance. So phylloxera, many people will say that it is a type of fungi. This is misinformation. It is not fungi, but instead a type of aphid, a very small bug. Yes. That, uh, and literally what aphid means is sap drinking bug. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be getting into just some general stuff today about the life cycle and how it affects the vines that would come to reshape the world of wine and the biology of vines throughout the world. Indeed. So let's get started. What is phylloxera? Well, phylloxera, scientifically speaking, is going to be Dactylosphaeria vitifoliae. Hopefully I am pronouncing that right. Latin is a dead language anyway, who cares? So Originally, though, the scientific name given by the French was Phylloxera vestatrix, or vestatrix. And if I remember correctly, that translates to the destroyer. So, uh, you know, yeah. apt, aptly named. And actually, the suffix trix means of feminine origin. Yes. So you would actually have like actor and actrix. Mm -hmm. 
now we we've changed it up a little bit but that's an old english word yes and that will actually uh play into the life cycle of this aphid Mm -hmm. a lot more as we get into that this thing is really gross (laughs) yeah it is gross um so what is the uh characteristics of phylloxera so phylloxera is a root louse so it is actually related to lice fun fact uh, as well and they look it too yeah yeah they do they look very much like lice do if you've ever seen lice under a microscope like if lice had a love child with a pug i would say yeah mm-hmm. and that's, yeah. that's accurate now i'm starting to think they look cute this is not okay <laughs> <laughs> thankfully i think pugs are ugly so this is not affecting i, I my... think pugs are cute they're, they're an abomination but you know genetically speaking you are correct <laughs> No, no offense to anyone who happens to own a pug out there. No, plenty of offense. <laughs> <laughs> That's Michael's opinion, not mine, for the record. <laughs> so this this root louse. Yes. Uh, uh, so native to southern Canada and the central eastern United States, primarily also located more in the northern parts of the United States. And yet it wasn't named in the United States. It was actually named in France. Yes. Because it was really, really small and nobody knew what it was. And it wasn't really a problem until France started naming it. Yes. And by small, we mean 0.02 inches wide and 0.04 inches long. So this thing is pretty undetectable to the naked eye unless you are very much looking for it. Yeah. And that is part of the issue with it. These, it also is kind of camouflaged. Yes, these aphids can vary in color from yellow, primarily they're yellow, but they can also be green, brown, and orange, kind of in that whole spectrum of those earth tones, those yellowy greens to orange. They are a pest, which we will be getting into here in a second when we discuss the life cycle. And very unfortunately, they are quite resilient. They can move between vineyards in many ways. So everything from bringing cuttings from infected vines to them being on your shoes from just walking in the vineyards and being in the soil to your clothing to equipment such as collection barrels for grapes and such. Um, If those are shared between wineries, which they are in many parts of the world, that can also lead to the spread of phylloxera throughout vineyards. They are primarily active, as most insects are, during the summer And this fact in particular makes infection very difficult to spot in time to fix early because the effects of this aphid and how it infects the plants doesn't really begin to show until probably at least a year to a couple years after the initial infection has taken place. Yeah, it is a slow strangle. Yes. And the thing is, these root louse... They are completely inextricably tied to vines, and mm-hmm. specifically grapevines. They developed yep. with grapevines yep. as their exclusive habitat, and even the practices that we employ in order to work vineyards are things that help them to spread. We are the best environment for them in our practices of planting vineyards. Yep. So what exactly is this horrible thing that phylloxera do to these plants that we're talking about and why does it take so long to spot the effects yes so let's get into the life cycle of the phylloxera aphid and we're going to be talking about that in juxtaposition to how it affects the vines themselves in each stage yes because each stage is its own type of personal calamity for each one of these beautiful plants yeah so i 
stole the uh, outline of this from Wikipedia. I'm not even going to lie. The thing about Phylloxera is the life cycle is very complicated and there are a lot of steps. And so kind of determining the start and end point of the life cycle is hard because it's extremely cyclical. Yeah. So, And it's not only cyclical, it has different stages in different parts of the plant that completely transform the physicality of the, of the creature. Yeah. So just kind of know that I try to get it as clear as possible, but there's still a lot more that I just, for brevity's sake, didn't include about the development of yeah. phylloxera. Which is interesting how many things in nature we just don't know the full life cycle of. Like, we still don't know how eels are born yeah we we still don't know that which is a weird thing but we we know they all go to one place yeah they go to one place and and then we don't know what happens after that well we've never observed it we think we do know what happens but it's never been actually observed by scientists yeah up to this point so and the thing is is that's actually how we have the information that we do about phylloxera phylloxera it has been observed in so many different states of being that the life cycle is hard to pin down. Correct, yeah. So, saying all that, the four main stages, as of my outline, <laughs> is we have what is called the sexual form of phylloxera. This is going to come from eggs that are laid on the underside of a vine's leaves. The hatchlings from these eggs will mate. There are male and female aphids in this form the sexual form the females will lay a winter egg on either the trunk spark or sometimes they can also get into the root and lay their winter egg and a winter egg basically is just an egg that can survive the winter until they come alive or i guess um maybe come out of dormancy might be a better way to say it during the spring and summer which we should definitely say is distinguished from other parts of their life cycle where they lay different types of offspring correct with different resistances yes so Actually, let's get into that. So then we move on to the leaf form. So the leaf form is when these winter eggs hatch, and they hatch into a nymph called a fundatrix. And here's that trix again. It's either fundatrix or, or fundatrix. fundatrix. Yeah, fundatrix. Sorry, I am. Um, I'm getting weird in my enunciations. Apparently, which sounds like a, a character, like a, a species from Star Trek. It really yeah. does. Or a, a Marvel villain. Oh my god. I am Fundatrix, the most reproductive, the most reproductive creature in the galaxy. That sounds horrifying. Yeah. So the Fundatrix will climb onto a leaf and will lay eggs asexually, specifically parthenogenically. Parthenogenically is a form of asexual reproduction where essentially the embryo does not need a sperm to fertilize an egg. It is already formed as an embryo. So these eggs are kept in a gall, which is a growth that is made from when the fundatrix will bite the leaf and her saliva causes a reaction that makes the gall. It's basically like a Think of it almost like a tumor for a leaf in yeah, a way. It's like this large pocket created for it. And it's it's like hard mm-hmm. and and it looks real gross. It, it does. Yeah. Uh, so this is where you can start noticing the infestation. But again, we're getting into that why it's difficult to catch, right? The infestation's already happened by yeah. this point. The aphids were already there the year before when they laid these eggs that produced these fundatrix. So it should be worth mentioning, 
when the leaf form lays these eggs and then they're and then they're born the the egg is not damaging the vine at this point correct yeah so with the life cycle of the vine you have you know your budding um then you have your flowering you have pollination you have the the grapes finally growing and then hopefully being harvested with a low high quality yield it is the fundatrix that begins to really start to damage the plants these things are are drinking the sap and the larvae that are inside are also drinking mm-hmm. the sap of the tree or the sap of the vine but even that is actually not enough to really damage the plant you are stealing some nutrients but the real problem is the fact that these galls are cuts yeah. and if you know anything about gardening at all trees produce sap in order to stop up wounds because every wound is a vulnerability and specifically vulnerable to things like mold mm-hmm. and to fungi. So when you have these parasitic fungi that now have an opening in the essentially the skin of the vines, that's the real danger. That's when you start seeing these vines being strangled. Yeah. So that it's, will play also very heavily into the next form of the phylloxera life cycle, which is the root form. This is where the hatchlings from those galls, those growths on the leaves Uh, and the eggs inside hatch and the hatchlings will travel to the roots and begin to feed there and the feeding process releases a poison that is in the saliva of the aphids Mm -hmm. that prevents healing in the roots Mm -hmm. when they feed so this will affect primarily the vascular system first at least that's the most immediate effect. So yeah. that will start killing off your canopy, which is your your leaf and shoot cover. And it will also reduce the yields of the grapes themselves. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the first really big problem that you run into with yeah. the effects of phylloxera. Well, and it's terrible. It's, it would be kind of like if something close to your heart was just stealing your blood as it was being distributed. Exactly. So, you know, and so all the functions that the sap has inside of the vine from you know getting new cells to to places for growth which includes healing wounds and it also includes making new leaves and Mm -hmm. making new grapes all of that lifeblood is being prevented from going through there through what is essentially just a physical blockage correct caused by that poison yeah and it's also worth saying that these sites where they're feeding will create nodes as well which is roughly equivalent to the galls that form on leaves they're kind of these growths that result and because the plant cannot heal itself because again that poison that's in the aphid phylloxera's um, saliva this as michael said leaves it wide open to basically any pathogens that are in the soil which is you know fungal bacterial all of that uh, viral even there are viruses that attack plants as well so, it's kind of like uh, the equivalent of like a Komodo dragon's yeah. uh, ability to cause it has an anticoagulant in its saliva. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just there's no way to heal from that bite. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's very much so like that. These things are designed in order to take down vines. Correct. So even worse is these nymphs that are feeding on the roots can lay eggs as well. And then... <laughs> That's why I was saying the most reproductive creature in the galaxy. It's just like there's not a stage at which it's not multiplying. Yeah. And they can lay up to, I believe it's seven or eight generations worth of aphids in this form, which in biology, uh, generations are not the same across species. The generations are much shorter. I believe it's actually two or three 
generations of phylloxera can happen within one vine growth cycle, so one harvest season, but that's still enough for at least two years, right? So I, I wish that we had data on just how much biological mass they were creating per year because they're yeah. they're super tiny but it, i i might look that up actually i, I don't know I mean, if they've done research on that but it's worth a shot so that being said these hatchlings that are being born from the root form nymphs can spread in the soil to other root systems it's also worth noting that um, i forgot to mention this earlier wind can also carry aphids to different plants as well, or nymphs to different plants as They're well. even using the power of air. <laughs> yeah, well, that ties into the fourth and final life form, or uh, stage of life, that we will talk about, which is the winged form. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So we have, we have this one thing that's planting an egg that can survive winter. Mm-hmm. We have another thing that is crawling through the area and causing little cancerous nodes full of larva mm-hmm. and then we have another form that's getting down into the roots causing more of these cancerous nodes filled with larva as they crawl around with their undulating egg sacs and now we have something with wings correct there is one little bit of reprieve this only happens or well, i should say the winged form only really happens at least from what we've observed in warmer humid regions in the world So cooler regions or drier regions don't typically have to deal with the winged form of the nymphs, but it's named after what happens. They develop wings so that they can fly to other plants to continue the life cycle. Typically, that will be them getting onto the leaves of the other plants, which will then go back into laying eggs for the first sexual form, where it's the male and females who reproduce to produce the eggs that will get the fundatrix, all that fun stuff. Okay, so we do have slight reprieve, but this reprieve is done in the form of something that has a lot more spreading potential. So yes, well, that's still not great. Yeah, well, and it's kind of like at every stage, there are so many ways, particularly from human intervention and how we manage vineyards, that allows for a huge spread in a very short amount of time, even without this nice little superman nymph that we can get in the humid regions yeah the fact that these things have such a biological variety uh, gabe was even showing me a uh, biological tree something that was showing the dna differences in different areas uh, as they grow these things specialize so much and in so many different forms that just take advantage of every single environment that they're put in correct it's absolutely crazy so what can you do in order to to try and deal with this well here are things you can't do you can't use insecticides because insecticides maybe could kill the leaf form but if you caught it by the time it's in the leaf form you probably also have them in your roots as well right oh my goodness and insecticides don't get into root systems they don't penetrate the soil so you can't do that uh you can't you know just turn your soil and get rid of the aphids that way that doesn't work that's not how (laughs) it's not how any of this works you can't really do anything except for try and fix the roots themselves but how do we do that so here's the deal all of these effects that we've been talking about with phylloxera and how it affects vines well this is mostly affecting vitis vinifera 
mostly located inside of Europe. But that's not where this creature came from. See, in nature, pretty much all creatures are in a little DNA arms race against one another. And they can come into a sort of balance. But when you have transfers between areas, those balances can be completely thrown off. Some things develop natural resistances. And as we mentioned at the start of the episode, phylloxera is actually native to the Americas. Mm -hmm. And in the Americas, the vine varieties actually did develop certain resistances. So if we can't use insecticides, and also we're just identifying that this bug is the problem, then what solution could they have come to? Because obviously we have these varieties today, and there is no possible way that they would have been able to survive these horrible pests. Correct. But we are not going to be getting into that in this episode. We are going to be talking about solutions and the history in our next episode. Yes. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Any comments, questions, or concerns, please do DM us at LaidBackLush on both Instagram and Twitter. Share it with your friends and family and your dearest loved ones, your most hated enemies. And everything in between. Everything in between. We appreciate you so much. Your bird. Your bird. Your cockatiel. You know, views are views. Well, listens are listens. The worms you use for lore and your fishing trips. But no aphids. Do not. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't share with aphids in this house. Yeah, we don't do that. They're they're a cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. Cheers. Cheers.